Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Clarity, Preventing Substance Misuse, where we talk about important issues impacting the health and well-being of Minnesota's youth. My name is Meredith, and I will be your host this episode. Today, we are honored to have an awesome guest with us, a hardworking advocate and the director of the American Lung Association in Minnesota, Pat McComb. Pat brings a ton of knowledge and experience in the fight against the tricky marketing put out there by the tobacco and vaping industry. Join us as we talk about how Pat and the ALA fight to keep us safe from the harmful effects of tobacco and vaping market. Pat, thank you for being with us today. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure, and thank you for that nice introduction, Meredith. Uh, I'm actually not the director. I'm a director, but I'm director of public policy and advocacy, which means I work on changes in policy and I advocate with people like you that things need to be changed. I've been working for the Lung Association for over 40 years. So I've been around when smoking was allowed on airplanes. My teachers would leave the class to go smoke. There would be a smoking area. So I've seen a lot of change of where we can use these products, but I'm seeing a lot of change in the ways nicotine is being delivered. And I'm very concerned about what's going on with the vaping epidemic in our state and in our country. Can I ask you a couple questions? You sure can. How has the way companies try to get kids to use tobacco and vaping products changed in Minnesota? A very good question. So. I always tell kids to think about what if you were a company like the tobacco industry and you had to sell a product that used as directed will eventually kill half of your customers. You're going to be have to be pretty clever on who's going to buy this product, who's going to use this product, how you're going to keep them using all those complicated things about a product that is as dangerous and deadly as Uh, the products of big tobacco sells. So, you know, the last time cigarettes were advertised on TV was in the early 1970s. It was 1971 when the last commercial. So there were actually commercials on TV all the time, and they sponsored big events. There was big, I remember the women's tennis tournament at one time was sponsored by Virginia Slims. And I always said, what if they'd named those cigarettes Virginia Fats or Virginia Wides? It wouldn't have been a very popular cigarette with young women. So the industry knew long ago that their target for um, customers was really with young people. Because young people, you know, just out of nature, and it's no offense to young people, that our brains are one of the last things to develop. And the frontal part of our brain that helps us make decisions and ways kind of what can be risky and what's not as risky is part the some of the last part of the brain that develops. So I describe it as if you buy a car and the gas pedal fully functions, but the brake pedal hardly works. And it takes a long time for that brake pedal to be fully developed. So the industry knew that and to sell this product, they needed to, to hook youth and they needed to hook kids before they were 18. And you can ask anybody who struggled with trying to quit uh, commercial cigarettes, that it's one of the hardest things they've done. Nicotine is a very addictive drug, and um, and it is, it is uh, unfortunate that this industry continues to find ways to 
sell nicotine in different forms, and that's, that's the vaping and new products that are out there. Can you talk about specific things companies do to make young people interested in using tobacco and vaping in our state? Sure, because the state of Minnesota sued the sued Juul um, over the last couple of years and won their lawsuit. And part of that lawsuit had to do with the way they marketed their products to youth on social media, using influencers, um, showing very young people using these devices. You know, for a product like this, the industry has to make it cool and fashionable and trendy to do. And they knew for a long time that the combustible smoking cigarettes was going down. But how are they gonna hook this generation on nicotine in a way that would be cool and popular, look trendy. And that's how it happens. Influencers online, TikTok videos, promotions, going out to um, musical events and sponsoring things. Very same tactics they used in the 60s and 70s. They just updated through the communication mechanisms that youth are using today, which is social media. So, um, one of the big things they use is flavors and youth are very attracted to flavored products, whether they're smoked flavored products. Like there, there was a time there were actually chocolate flavored cigarettes and strawberry flavored cigarettes. And those were all taken off the market except for menthol flavored cigarettes. That's the only flavor that is left in the, what we would call a traditional cigarette, uh, a smoked cigarette. But for vaping products, you know, when you ask kids what flavors they use, I, I have yet to find one that says, oh, I like tobacco flavor. That's what I'm using. They use flavors and they uh, make it easy. They make it, they get, promote coupons. They do buy one, get one um, to get you started. Just like, uh, you know, sometimes not in our state, they can't do free samples, but there's places they give out products to get you started. What does the American Lung Association? Oh my! What does the American Lung Association and MN do to stop companies from making tobacco and vaping appealing to kids? An another really good question. Well, again, I work on policy, so for me, policy is changing in the big way the way companies um, behave in our in our in our state. So. One of the things we do is we, uh, what I like to say is we do a model of we educate kids and the community about the issue that we want to address. And the one most people remember is when smoking was allowed indoors. Talked about it, talked about what they can do about it, and then motivated people at the local level and at the state level to talk to the people that could change the laws for us. At the city level, it's city councilors, the mayor. At the county level, it's county commissioners. At the state level, it's our state representatives and senators and the governor. And so educating them about what, what is the problem and what we're asking them to do. So in that case, we were asking them to make it illegal to use these products in public places. We also have lobbied or made changes around what the price of these products are because we know that if we increase the tax on these products, it encourages people to quit. You know, you'll 
uh, I've asked many of people kind of what encouraged them to quit. And they'll say, well, when cigarettes were $3 a pack, that was it for me. And, and now they're over 7 or $8 in our community. And keeping a, a, a high tax on them is also something that we've worked hard on. We've also worked to get money to counter the advertising in our state that the tobacco industry does in their promotions. It's approximately a million dollars a day that they spend in our state on advertising and promotions. So we have worked hard to get the funding for tobacco programs at the Minnesota Department of Health, uh, resources that can be used to offset what the industry is trying to, to do with hooking kids and getting kids um, addicted to their products. So those are a few examples of things that we've done to address the big issue around um, commercial tobacco. Next one I have for you is, have you noticed that certain groups of kids in Minnesota are more affected by these tactics than others? Yeah, I actually have noticed, especially with the new vaping, with vaping products, that the Minnesota Student Health Survey and the Minnesota Tobacco Survey are showing that kids in greater Minnesota are using these products at a higher level than kids in the metro area. I don't think we've fully seen the impacts of the pandemic on um, what at the core level motivates kids to try these products and to use these products. What we've seen for some of the data is that kids are using them, say that they're using them be because they're depressed or they're anxious and using them as a relaxation tool or a tool that really is, it's kind of counterintuitive. I'm going to use a drug to stimulate me, and yet I'm depressed and anxious. Um, so we've seen some of that data. Uh, I think the thing I'm really concerned about is the younger and younger age I'm hearing that kids are starting to use these products at first, it was high school. Now it's much more common in middle school, and those numbers are going up. And I have heard from more than one school um, person that it's also in the elementary schools. And you didn't see that that much um, when you think about how before vape products were available, if a kid was going to sneak a cigarette, they would have to figure out, do I have enough time to smoke this? I've got to find a place to hide because I don't want to be seen. It's very obvious when you're smoking. And I got to figure out how I'm going to cover up this smell. But with vape products, most of those challenges are gone. You know, you could just take a puff. You can act like you're doing nothing and take a puff. They're, they don't smell distinctively like, oh, that's vape. There's so many thousands of flavors and um, they're readily available. You can take one puff. You don't have to smoke for 10 minutes to smoke a cigarette. So those things are changing. How can parents and teachers learn more about the ways companies try to get kids into using tobacco and vaping? I think one of the first suggestions I have is start the conversation with youth and then stop talking and listen. I'd ask you, where, where are you seeing these ads? What do you know about these? How often are you seeing friends or, you know, yourself maybe trying it? It's just, 
I would listen to youth because they're going to give you the real deal of what they're seeing and what they're hearing, what's showing up on their Instagram, what's showing up on their social media, what TikTok challenges are out there around vaping products. So that would be my very first step is to listen. I would also get myself educated on why these products are of great concern. Uh, We now have disposable vapes that have over 8,000 puffs in them. 8,000 puffs of nicotine in them. Um, And then I would uh, also, you know, just watch for any changes in my uh, child's behavior because addiction tends to also change people. And if they're more moody because there's withdrawal, you know, 8,000 puffs, that's a lot of nicotine. And when you're in withdrawal, you're crabby, you're tired. I mean, it's like, what's going on? And I, I would watch for any kinds of changes in behavior, changes in moods. That It's like, oh, they're just not themselves. And then again, you know, listen. I just think it's really important that we listen to what they're telling us. Yeah. Thank you. The next one I have is, in your opinion, what rules or laws should be made to make it harder for companies to advertise tobacco and vaping to young people? Uh, Okay, what kind of rules or laws? I would say, number one, we got to get rid of the flavors. We just have to get rid of all flavored commercial tobacco products. That would take, (laughs) that would help immensely. Um, It would just help a lot. I also think we have to hold them accountable when they blatantly advertise to kids. Uh, you know, I th- I hope you know, but I don't know if everyone knows. You know, what age do you have to be in our in our state to buy these products? It's twenty one. Isn't it twenty one? It is twenty one. I'm glad. Great. You answered my question. Um, Yeah, it's age 21. So I think we also have to enforce uh, those license holders so that they're not selling to underage kids, which means to 20 and 19 and 18 year olds. Uh, I think the license for selling, the privilege to sell these products, if it's a privilege, uh, also comes with the responsibility that you're not selling to underage youth. I think those are some of the things that we can do to tighten up on um, on what products are available and and where and who can get them. Yeah. I also think we should limit the number of tobacco mm-hmm. sales shops in a community. You know, do we want a hundred tobacco stores in your town? <laughs> but I bet there's no limit on how many licenses your town will give. Yeah, or where you can have a store. Should we have a vape shop that's right across the street from a school? I don't think so. All things to consider. Next one I have for you. Uh, have things we have tried before in Minnesota to stop kids from using tobacco and vaping worked? And what have we learned from those efforts? Well, at one time, we had a pretty well-funded uh, youth program that was called Target Market. And it was a, it really was a youth movement to say, we like being healthy and we're not going to use 
we're not going to smoke. At that time, it was about smoking. And um, I think I still to this day have uh, people that I, I work with that say, oh, I was a target market kid. It was catchy. It was fun. Kids across the state came together. I think we need, you know, when we when we have the resources and, and we have the will to have a movement of kids that you feel that you're part of a bigger group that's working towards this. You're doing this podcast. I'm sure there's another group somewhere that's doing another type of activity in our state. But to connect all the youth so that you feel like you're bigger than just yourself working on this, that gives you the energy to keep going and saying, yeah, we can make a difference. We can make a big difference in, in this. That works. I mean, that really does work. What doesn't work is just um, also not thinking about what are we going to do policy-wise. Okay, so I know the schools are struggling right now with the vaping epidemic. And I think we can put up all the vape detectors we want and chase kids and try to dispose of these products, et cetera, et cetera. But it's really not going to make a dent in kids' use in the bigger picture that restricting all flavored tobacco products would. So I think for a while we got to do these things to kind of get a handle on it, but we have to look upstream, kind of like, why is this happening? Some of the questions you asked, like, why is it happening that this is? It's because an industry made it look cool and fun, taste good and easy to use, and have thousands of hits in them, uh, that has to change. We've got to change that piece of it also. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what I say to my grandkids. I'll say, oh, gosh, we've got a situation. And they'll look at me and say, why do you say that, Grandma? It's usually when we're working on a big puzzle or a, a Lego and we have forgotten one Lego in the middle of something that we're 50, 50 pieces beyond. And I say, well, it looks complicated. And there isn't one single answer to this epidemic. There's lots of pieces to this puzzle to make a difference. I also think we need to offer more mental health services for kids. If they're telling us the number one reason they're doing this is because they're depressed, We've got to help them with that, with depression. We've got to help kids with managing stress. Um, we've got to do more of that, what I call upstream work, too. Yeah. Next question I have, what are some things kids and teens can do to avoid falling for the tricks of companies used to sell? Okay. What are some things kids and teens can do to avoid falling for the tricks companies used to sell tobacco and, va and vaping products? Uh, well, they can do things like you're doing. Get engaged with pro projects at school that you feel like you're part of a group and making a difference. I think that's one. I think just being aware of it ahead of time is really important. I think being prepared with refusal skills that you're comfortable using, that you've practiced, whether it's, hey, I, you know, you don't want to get into, no, I don't do that. Just say, you know, I've got to, I've got to run right now, or I've got to, that you've practiced ref refusal skills and you're comfortable with that. I think um, 
kids can do that. I feel like I need to be asking you these questions, like what can kids do to not say? Because again, I do think the answers in for a lot of these are with our youth. And if we listen, like this would help us. I think, um, you know, feeling like a part of the group and the community and understanding that this isn't, this isn't just harmless water vapor in these devices. These devices contain addictive drugs and can lead you to a lifetime of, of addiction. It's just plain and simple and tragic. And I know sometimes I've heard even parents say, well, at least they're not smoking. And I'll, I think, wow, at least they're not smoking. Well, if smoking is still our number one reason that Americans die prematurely in our country. It still is. Okay. If that's our health standard, well, it's least it's not as bad as number one. Let me tell you, texting and driving doesn't kill as many people as smoking. Does that make it okay? Like, well, I was texting, but at least I wasn't smoking. No, I always wanted the standard to be, is it better than breathing clean air? Is vaping better than breathing clean air? And the answer is no. So it's it's not that, well, at least it's not this bad. Next question. I am. Can you share your stories of places in our state where people are working together to stop companies from targeting kids with tobacco and vaping ads? Yeah, I can tell you that there is a coalition called the Smoke-Free Generation Coalition that consists of over 60 member organizations that have come together to work to reduce the harm and destruction from commercial tobacco products, including vaping. And we've been working together for decades, but for the last few years, we've been working at the legislature to educate them about the vaping epidemic, about the impact in our state and our community, and working to pass a law to restrict all flavored commercial tobacco products. It's been a really great experience. We have many partners that bring their stories to the table on how this has impacted their community, their school, maybe their home, and uh, we're going to be doing it again in, in 2024 during the next legislative session. So this coalition is a, a good example of that kind of coming together as a movement to make change uh, through policy. So I have, how do you think talking open, openly about these issues with friends and family can make a difference in preventing to tobacco and vaping use among young people? Well, I think it goes back to my uh, comments before about talking openly and listening. I, th I think you got to add listening to that because um, it's really important that young people that are struggling or experimenting um, have a trusted adult that they can come to and just just talk what's going on. Uh, you know, what's going on in the bathrooms, which I now know are called in a lot of school vape lounges, and why 
why that's impacting activities at school. I've talked to many kids who don't even want to go into the bathrooms because they don't want to be accused of vaping. They don't want to be around it. Um, you know, it's become uh, a place to avoid. So I, I just really think that the best way we get to solutions is that we listen. We um, listen with a with not trying to punish people, but trying to understand and addressing this issue as a public health issue. The only, what I say, bad people in this is really the tobacco industry and the vaping industry who knows what they're doing. I mean, during the Juul trial, Juul, when they were asked about the young people that got hooked to their product, that they directly marketed to youth, they, they you know, said, well, that was leakage. It's not what they, quote, intended. It was leakage. Well, I have to tell you that leakage is somebody's young one, someone's child, somebody's um, somebody's life who you've impacted potentially for a long, long time, not just leakage. You know, this is uh, this is where the bad comes from is profiting off of off of addiction. It really is. So listen, understand, and then reach out for help, reach out for resources and uh, reach out for treatment if that's if that's the next step and make change in your community. Sorry, I need that I one. Are, are there any fun or engaging ways that schools can teach students about the risks of tobacco and vaping without being boring or too serious? Yeah, I think there are. I think there's uh, really good activities around identifying like a number of products, which one is tobacco and which one isn't, because a lot of them look like candy, look like uh, products, uh, you know, there's been a vape product that looks like a magic marker. There's one that looks like a can of Ready Whip. Um, I think that can be fun. I think it's, um, I think you can have a fun activity of going out in your community and seeing just where and how many and all the different kinds of these devices that are sold right in our, your own backyard. Um, I also think something kids should be aware of is that these disposable, and I'll use air quotes on that one, devices are really a toxic waste and they have lithium batteries in them that can cause fires. So uh, calling them disposable, I, I also know that there are schools that have had these devices flush down the toilets. I think that, you know, just doing a pickup, doing a, um, I know we don't have any snow yet, but in the spring, a lot of times uh, a litter pickup, and you can see how much of this litter that's related to these devices is out there. Uh, it, it's really a mounting problem in our all of our communities. Um, the liquid in them themselves is also toxic waste. So I, I do think it can be fun. I think, again, I, I would ask your youth group kind of, what would make it fun? Uh, comparing advertising, old ads and the new ads, uh, that's kind of fun to do. It's like, we think we think people haven't seen this before, but a lot of advertising copies other successful campaigns from years back. Yeah, I, th I think all of those could be fun activities. I think the last thing we like to do is just be lectured and read to. Um, you know, and I'd love to have kids come up with ideas on how we can make changes in our community and actually do things, not just um, sit and listen.
The next one I have is, are there specific social media platforms or online spaces where companies often target young audiences with tobacco and vaping promotions? Yeah, no, I I am not, uh, clearly I am not the target of TikTok, so, but people that I know that are, are, are really cooling up on these things, TikTok is one of those platforms that, um, promote that has a lot of uh, you know a, a lot of vaping promotion within it and also instagram um influencers you know that's that was a very key part of the lawsuit that the uh, state of minnesota used against the against jewel and um altria for their uh sales their their sales uh behavior within our state so I think those two platforms, I know my era is more Facebook. I mean, ours was more, yeah, it's not the radio anymore. It's, it's um, those social media platforms that are some of the biggest ones. And then direct, direct to the consumer. The final question I have you know, for you. Go ahead. Is, yep. The final question I have for you is, in your work, have you seen any positive changes or improvements in the attitudes of young people towards tobacco and vaping? Oh, well, here's what I would say. I think uh, we're at the lowest rates for smoking tobacco, commercial tobacco. So I do think it is uncool to smoke cigarettes within the young population. Have I seen that change with vaping? The answer is no. Uh, I I am very concerned about the data that has been recently released about the increase at middle school. Uh, we're not close to that yet. I'm also very concerned on the impact of vaping uh, when uh, when cannabis is not only it's already legal in our state but when it is when the dispensaries will be open and that will also be available because we know that kids um already are combining thc along with nicotine in the devices i listened to a uh, presenter last week who said from the mayo nicotine dependency center who said nicotine enhances the effect of THC. So I am concerned about that trend also. I would be foolish not to be. Um, and I'm very concerned about the level of addiction at the young ages because the younger somebody experiments with an addictive product, the more likely they are to have a lifetime of addiction because of that developing brain and the pathways in the brain being formed um, it's such a unique part of adolescence and getting to age 26 when we see that mo the brain is more fully developed. Uh, I am very concerned about that vulnerability of this next generation or two and being uh, much more susceptible to lifetimes of addiction because the nature of addiction is you want to try something more that maybe give you a bigger high. and if it starts with vaping with and nicotine for a lot of people, um, I'm very concerned. So I'm always hopefully optimistic. I think one of our big, big 
answers to part of this challenge will be a law that restricts all flavored products. I know I've said that many times, but I can't say it enough because of my concern for this next generation. Um, it's still cool. And what you've seen in schools is the rich kids smoke, the poor kids smoke, the athletes smoke, the cheerleaders, I mean, vape, I'm sorry, sorry. It's, it's vaping has crossed all the demographics of students. It used to be that with smoking cigarettes, you had a higher likelihood of doing that, of being in that category if you were poor. But for vaping, it crosses all of those sectors. And we've yet to identify this one group is smoking at a much higher rate. Um, and they're the most vulnerable. We know Greater Minnesota is using these devices more than Metro, still all too much. And um, we know that the it's it's just it's it's like anyone and everyone is uh vulnerable to these devices yeah it's kind of a dark cloud <laughs> thank you for joining us today and thank you for answering all the questions that i had and you know i would i i'm delighted that you asked me it was very um enlightening to me and I think you should think about a podcast where someone like me answers the question then I get to ask you the question because I do think hearing young people's opinions is really important for us that are working um, on these issues in our in our workplace you know I love to hear young voices I love to hear the ideas I like to be told something that I'm not aware of. It's like, oh, I never knew that. Thanks for sharing that with me. Because these devices and the use of these devices is changing very, very quickly. Thank you so much yep. again for doing this for us. You're welcome. So I appreciate it. And thanks for um, putting this all together. And let's hope the technical difficulties get ironed out in production.